0: I like to have a dollar for every time my lovely wife looked at me and said, How can you be so smart in some things and so dumb in other things? (laughs) My IQ is like 135, I was top 10% of the graduate record exam, and I still do some of the stupid, stupidest. Matt came back here and said, uh, Dad, mom said to tell you not to mention that guy's name because you're supposed to say allegedly. <laughs> so, allegedly, it was the name I said before. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> allegedly. <laughs> Mitra allegedly. That was his name. Yeah. yeah, allegedly. I blame you. Yeah, well, never mind, she was in on it too. But anyway, I'm serious, I'm serious. But uh, in in any event, I wanna share something with you. Over the years, uh, I've met some very fascinating folks and and how and why our paths have crossed. Uh, Sometimes it's just a matter if I know somebody, knows somebody. But uh, a long time ago, uh, I met a man by the name of Jack Murphy. Now, if you have the life, the 21st the, the 20, 20, uh, century book uh, of, of life, it has a photograph such in it, uh, there's one whole page dedicated to Jack Murphy. He was the number one most, I, don't th- I, think, I think it's safe now, I don't have to say allegedly, <laughs> uh, jewel thief of the 20th century, I said 21st the 20th century, number one jewel. In fact, he was called Jack Murph, the Surf Murphy. Uh, he'd been a surfing star and all this sort of thing. And, um, I asked him to come to church here and he had uh, they found two bodies that he had uh, weighted down in the water near Hollywood, Florida. Uh, I mean, he had a hobby, okay? He, and uh, he had what uh, the Star of India, the recovered everything except that one big diamond. What was the name of that? Hope one? Diamond. The Hope Diamond. They didn't recover that one. They think because he had to broke down into smaller diamonds. But anyway, uh, he was in prison in Florida and he had uh, I forget how many life sentences with no chance of parole at hard labor. And uh, Roger Stallback and Chapman Ray and another gentleman I can just went in there to do a Bill uh, Black Bill Glass, that's right. I knew Mr. Glass too. Uh, fine man. But anyway, uh, they went into the prison to ministry. Well, Jack Murphy, he also could play. Viol- he was a genius. He could play violin and played for the uh, Philadelphia uh, Symphony Orchestra. Uh, he, he was amazing. He was amazing. He surfing champion to this day. You can go to Ron Johnson, in Florida and get a Murphy surf. Uh, T-shirt, uh, where he was surf- surfing in championship. But he had the ability, and a friend of his had the ability, to climb the outside wall in New York City of the, uh, what was it, the American Historical Museum he was with all these kept. And because of his acrobatic ability, in fact, the main way that they caught him, now this is what he told me, he said they knew of his athletic and acrobatic abilities. And they knew that when this robbery went down, he wasn't in Miami. <laughs> so <laughs> they kind of put two and two together uh, slowly. It took, it took quite a while to convict him of it. But uh, after he became a Christian, he accepted Jesus Lord and Savior, he started teaching other people in the prison about the Bible, about salvation of Jesus Christ, and became such a model prisoner that they commuted his sentence and actually released him in 1986, I believe it was. And it was shortly thereafter or something. i kinda think, do you remember how I met him or how i come to know him? Do you remember? But anyway, I invited him to come here to speak. And uh, he did. In fact, he come several times. And uh, he asked me if I would go with him to uh, speak out in Valencia, California. At that time, the, one of the world's largest penitentiaries. He asked if I could go out there and speak, go with him. I said, sure. And we went out there. The thing that amazed me about him here he had been convicted of two murders. Here he was a well-known criminal. Criminal of the century. And it's somebody that, and, and that's, let me tell you, just Google or Yahoo, Murph the Surf. I mean, the things that he did, it just it's amazing, these things he did. But he was a criminal genius. And then for him to turn his life over to the Lord Jesus Christ, and this is the most beautiful part, and this is true for everybody because I've met people who say, Vicki, you don't know what I've done. I can't get saved. You don't know what I've done. I said, let me tell you something. Paul helped to kill one of the disciples, Saul at that time. And I said, God's Word says if we confess our sins. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I said, let me tell you something. I have known something. In fact, uh, you heard me talk about the president of the Mongols. I spoke out in California. President of the Mongols, I don't know if y'all know this, President of the Mongols was sitting there on the front row when I was speaking, came up and talked to me. A few years later, his son came from California to here. Did you know that? And he got saved. His son got saved. His son had pulled time in the penitentiary too. When he left California, his mom and dad both pulled time. The leader of the Mongols. And then his son came here to this church and got saved. So we—we we it's amazing some of the things we have seen over the years. But I think what amazing me more than anything else about all these people, we had the, the president of the henchman in Detroit, who was on the run, came here to hide out. I happened to meet him. He came to know Jesus Lord and Savior, worked out something in regards to overturning evidence, became an ordained minister and served the Lord a preacher the day he died. We had Barry Mason, president of Hell's Angels out of South Carolina. They made the movie Fallen Angel about him. He moved from Plano, Texas, just to come here to this church. You see, it's all to the fact that God doesn't look on the outside as man does. He looks on the heart. And so we have seen so many people come to this church that were either, if it was real or imagined, did not feel welcome in mainline traditional churches. But they could come here and hear a historic, traditional gospel, a charisma message from the inspired and errant word of God. And so what amazed me more than anything about all these people we've had here, people come here and God say that I could go on and on. It tells me and excites me about God's grace. That's the thing. I'm happy all these people got saved and served with the Lord. But what it tells me is it doesn't matter what you have done. If you will come to Him with a humble heart and you accept Him as Lord and Savior of your life, He will save you. When I read the New Testament, I've just I've always been amazed at Simon Peter. Uh, it, it seems when you when you read the New Testament, and particularly when you read the Gospel of Mark, Mark is well, the, the events John Mark wrote down were the things that Simon Peter had told him about walking and talking and the things that Jesus taught. So when you read the Gospel of Mark, he was the secretary. Simon Peter and so when you read these in fact the Gospel of Mark is the oldest of the synoptic Gospels and Then after Mark was Matthew and the way the way the situation was some of the disciples they read Mark's account And they said yeah, that's that's exactly what happened, but they would expound on other issues That's why you know some people say there's there is contradiction by there's no contradiction. It's just in your understanding And so they read Mark's yeah, that's true And, and they write their account But then they would fill in some areas that maybe Mark didn't didn't record. And then we'd see the same thing with Luke, the beloved physician. He followed Paul around and recorded the things that Paul had written down. And so when you understand you understand, people try to tell you or you you go to a secular university and try to say the Bible is full of contradictions. No, it's not. I never will forget it. I was over at ETSU and I was taking uh, English lit class. I, I know you guys have heard this story before. In fact, you've heard a lot of my stories before, but I hope you enjoy it. Um,
1: and so, I was taking English Lit
0: class, and the professor one day he said, "I'd already been in Bible college and and had already had two years of Greek." And um, he said, "Where it says in the Bible that it's easier for a camel to go through an eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to enter heaven," he said, "That's not in there." He said, not in there. He said, people tell you that. He said, in the original Greek, that's not in there. I didn't say that. I went home. I got my Greek New Testament. The, I think the day after that, I had class. I went to the classroom, and all of a sudden, the prof and everybody else was standing out in the hallway. So I got to see what's going on. He says, somebody's calling in a bomb threat. Probably had tests that day. That's the way you can always tell back then. somebody calling a bomb threat. So we're standing out in the hallway there, and I said, uh, Dr. so-and-so, I said, you made the comment yesterday that in the original Greek, the eye of the needle account is not actually in the Greek. He said, that's correct. So I flipped over my Greek New Testament. I said, as you can see here, and and I broke it down for him, it does. And I looked at him, and I said, you're looking over here, it's it's over here. He said, uh, I said, you can read Greek, can't you? He said, no, but uh, somebody told me that's what it said. Well, I said, let me break it down for you. I said, it is in there. It is that account. All through so many different experiences, we see people who want to detract, deconstructionists of the Word of God. I want you, if you have your Bible with you, turn if you will to Matthew chapter 4. And this is talking about Simon Peter. What a wonderful, amazing apostle. In fact, he is... First apostles, Simon Peter and Andrew, his brother, uh, when Jesus called them to come and follow him, and here's what was said. Verse 19. And he saith unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come into your presence. We thank you for this day and for all the many blessings that you give us. Please let your word go forth this day. And accomplish all that you send it forth to do. Of course, in Jesus' precious name we pray. And all of God's children said, Amen. It amazes me. It is though Simon Peter represented all of we common people. He was a fisherman, he was rough-hewn, if you will. He'd been, you know, if he'd been hanging around a bunch of fishermen and such, let me tell you, they they be telling jokes and all this stuff. So, Simon Peter and his brother Andrew, they were fishing. So were James and John on down the the coast just a little bit there. They were sons of Zebedee who was a fisherman also. So anyway, Simon Peter at that time uh, followed Jesus. And uh, Jesus told him uh, in Matthew 16, 18, He said, "Uh, Your name is Petros, but upon this rock I will build my Petros. And what his point was this. He, Simon Peter, was like a little stone. But the Petra would be the curriculum, the message that Simon Peter would preach, that that's the rock of the church. And he was Peter was called the first bishop of the church. He was the first one was called. Oftentimes he was the spokesperson for the rest of the disciples. And every time you turn around, it's like Jesus had to give special attention to Simon Peter. Because he was always messing up, always. Every time I read about Simon Peter, I think, yeah, that's what I'd have done. I've done. That. Same thing. We see him in, in Matthew chapter fourteen, verse twenty-nine. Jesus came walking on the water. Simon Peter sees him. he? He's always so spontaneous. He. I, I don't think there's any stopgap. He's sort of like Bo Bowman. There's no stopgap between what he thinks and what he said. Am I right, Bo? <laughs> And uh, Simon Peter said, bid me to come unto thee. And Jesus said, come. So Simon Peter gets out of the boat. And then mm, mm. <laughs> he said, hmm, hmm. He starts looking down. And Jesus had to pull him up out of the water. Just had to lift him right up. If you have your Bibles, turn over to Luke chapter 22. This this always has touched me my Luke chapter 22. I want to show you something here Uh, starting verse uh, i don't know if i want to read all that let's jump in about verse 58 because i was going to have you read from 54 to 62 but we'll just jump in here verse 58 man you're watching time for me yes sir and after a little while another saw him and said thou art also of them and peter said man i am not and about the space of one hour after another, confidently affirmed, saying of oh, it, truth, this fellow also was with him, for he is a Galilean. And Peter said, man, I know not what thou sayest. And immediately, while he yet spoke, the cock crew, and the Lord turned and looked upon Simon Peter. And Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said unto him, before the cock crowed, thou shalt deny me thrice. And Peter went out and wept bitterly. I think everybody here is a born-again Christian. To some degree you can identify with that. Simon Peter was denying the fact he knew Jesus. They recognized his accent. Praise God if you must have been from the south. They they recognized his accent as being a Galilean. They said you were with Jesus as well. No, 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 no. You know what you're talking about. In fact, it's recorded that Simon Peter had even cursed. Used profanity in his declaration of not knowing Jesus. He said, oh yeah, you were. And the third time that he had denied Jesus, they were taking Jesus from uh, the, 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 the the house of the high priest, take him over to where the Sanhedrin is, and Peter was over there warming himself by a fire. And about the time he did the the, the last uh, denial, Jesus looked over the fire and looked Simon Peter in the eye and said he ran out of the city and wept bitterly. I've always said, when we mess up, when we sin, those Christians mess up, if we can imagine the eyes of Jesus looking at us, how horrific, how painful that would be. And sometimes we feel so guilt-ridden because of what we have done that we're like Simon Peter who ran out and wept bitterly. It breaks the heart to see and to know what we have done. Simon Peter, and this is why, way, like I said, I've got a redneck streak on it. It's just going to be there no matter what, but I keep asking God to straighten up. In John chapter 18, verse 10. They came to the Garden of Gethsemane to arrest Jesus. Simon Peter was there. You see, there is Peter, James, and John. This is the inner circle. They see we always be hanged with Jesus. In fact, it was Peter, James, and John that were at the Garden of Gethsemane that were praying when Jesus they fell asleep. Jesus came out and said, What could you not watch and pray with me for one hour? And when they came up, they could hear. Uh, The guards coming up to arrest Jesus When they heard them coming up There was one of the servants Temple servant By the name of Malchus Do you remember what Simon Peter did? He took a sword And he swung And cut Malchus' ear off But now I don't believe he was aiming at Malchus' ear I think he was off center about four inches From where he was aiming And he severed his ear and Jesus took the ear and restored it. You see, we we blame and hold Peter guilt because of his denial. But we've got to remember, at this point, he would fight for Jesus. He would die for Jesus. And he was the only one who followed Jesus after they arrested him and was there. So many times when I, you know, when we do our Easter presentation at Freedom Hall, uh, that's the toughest thing I've ever done. Those who are behind the curtain know. Uh, it, I'm not trying to sound metaphysical or anything like that, but somehow, someway, it's like I'm there in Atlanta. Anyway. It's like whew, tears me up. It's like I'm there doing whatever part I'm playing, and every time we get to that part, it, it just just tears me up. Because it's like I can see the eyes of Jesus as well. I can know, I'd be the kind of person that, do you remember when we did the presentation and Dave Carter was playing the part of the devil? And this is the part of the crucifixion. How many were there when Dave Carter played the devil? The part, if you recall, uh, where they laid Jesus on a cross and one of the soldiers were nailing him. And David Carter played the devil, and the devil was whispering in the guard's ear, it's hit the nail harder, let him have pain, let him suffer. And so I was playing a part of a, an out-of-time-and-space observer. And, of course, we had rehearsed these things. But it seemed so real to me that when I grabbed David Carter, he told me, he said, the look in your face scared me to death. You see, I would die for Jesus. But I can also see me turn around and doing something just like Simon Peter did. That just make you hang your head and cry. I had a professor in college who was a fantastic theologian. Dr. George Anderson. And he said, whenever you read the Bible, put yourself in the picture. Put yourself as the, the, the prime person in the account. And when you do that, even though we know that the Bible is the living Word of God, all of a sudden it will touch you and affect you in a way that you, you hadn't imagined. That's how the Easter presentation always affects me when, when we get involved. And it takes me days to get over it, doesn't it? I mean, it? just My emotions go through through the roof. So again, we see Simon Peter ready to do battle, and at the same time, shortly thereafter, deny Jesus. We also see an account... You know, he said, "Well, this is before Pentecost. This is before the Holy Spirit." But even after Pentecost, in fact, it's amazing. thing about that. The same Jesus who went to hide, and he was forced the first one who got to the tomb, the empty tomb. He outran—I mean, he ran uh, as soon as he heard that he is risen. He is not here, as he was told by the women. And so he ran. He wanted to be there first. I think the main thing he ran so hard for is he wanted to tell Jesus, "I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry." Jesus he knew his heart. But nevertheless, Peter got there first and he wanted to tell Jesus, but he didn't have that opportunity to do so. So even after Pentecost, then all of a sudden Pentecost comes and it's saying Peter who went into hiding because of being filled with the Holy Spirit, he stood and told all of Jerusalem. There were thousands and thousands of people who came to Jerusalem for this feast. as was required if you lived, uh, particularly if you lived then I can't remember how many miles it was. I think it is, Within 20 miles, you, it was mandatory. You had to tend to represent your family. But anyway, there was thousands of people who weren't really Jewish. People from all walks of life around the known world that came. And Simon Peter stood up right in the midst of it and said, you people are the one who crucified Jesus of Nazareth. I mean, with a, with a bravery that was unimaginable because of the power of the Holy Spirit. They gave him the grace of the same... Simon Peter went into hiding now as the same one who was standing up before the Pharisees and the Sadducees and telling you killed the, the Messiah, the Christos. He didn't hold back. But then you look a little leaner, and he's doing good. He becomes one of the... He, he's advocating for the gospel, the curriculum, to be taken to Gentiles. That's us. If you're not a Jew, you're a Gentile. He was advocating that, that this message, this gospel, this good news would be taken to Gentiles. He advocated that because most of the disciples and Christians at that time wanted to make sure it went to the Jews. They were looking out for their own brethren. And Simon Peter was saying, no, this, this is for everybody. But we look over here in Galatians and they're at Galatia and there were those, that says, of the circumcision. That was the Jews. And there was the Gentiles. And Simon Peter, this is after he saved, filled the Holy Spirit, all that. All of a sudden, they look at Simon Peter and just hanging out with the Jews every time they break bed and eat, he was hanging out with the Jews over here. And The Gentiles were like, Hey, you know, they, they're hanging out. I got their own little click over here, don't want anything to do. Simon Peter walked in. I mean, I'm sorry, Simon Peter was sitting there. Is that what I said to get the cart before the horse? Simon Peter was there eating with the Jews and not with the Gentiles. He was making a distinction. Paul walked in, you read this in Galatians chapter 2, verses 11 to 21. Paul walked in and confronted him right before everybody. He said, Simon, Petra, why are you hanging out with the Jews? He said, are you advocating the law now? We know, in fact, you can go back and read in Galatians 2, 11-21. He said, you know the law does not save us. Are you now falling back on the law when you know that even these Gentiles, all of us are saved by Grace by our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. He, he brought Simon Peter, Paul brought Simon Peter to shame. I mean, this is after you say so The reason why when I read that, I think, you know, here I've been serving the Lord for many years and love the Lord. I still have to battle, in fact, I think the older I get, the more I have to battle carnal thoughts and temptations. I, 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 honestly, it's just like that guy on Friday. In fact, the cop, I think he could see, I kept staring at that, that guy. I that, that was looking at him, and he kneel down there. And I thought, oh, it would be so easy, so easy. And uh, that cop looked at me, and he said, tell that guy, he said, I think you ought to get him on the porch. Uh, and, I, and I felt guilty later. And I go back and forth. I wish I didn't, then I think, no, God's Word says, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I will repay. It's not for me to do. He didn't steal from me. He stole from God. But still, because I love my Lord and Savior so much, I love my God so much. The thought of somebody taking not only God's property, but toys and such that were dedicated to children. Uh, And in fury, I told that cop, I said, if it had been my stuff, I would have been upset, but not like this. I said, a man who would steal from God's house because of money people gave to God would be able and capable of doing anything. He said, I agree with you. I agree with you. So I battled with these Human carnal emotions. Daily. But even Simon Peter, this first leader of the first church, he screwed up too. He could still screw up and be called on it and get forgiven for it. Just because you're saved does not mean you're perfect. Just because you're an elder or a deacon of church does not mean you're going to walk two feet off the ground and never say anything wrong. In fact, your temptation will probably start, real temptation start after you take a spiritual leave uh, or office in the church. And so he was confronted at a time. It absolutely amazes me how Simon Peter at one minute can be so super spiritual. It's like in Matthew chapter 17 verses 1 to 4. Jesus took... Peter, James, and John went to what was called the Mount of Transfiguration. And so Jesus took them up there and all of a sudden it's like this spiritual curtain pulled back. And there stood Jesus with Elijah. And who was the other kid? Moses. He stood there with him because remember Moses didn't die. They don't even know where he's buried. He was transferred. Anyway, so pulled back and Simon Peter, true to form, he just felt like something ought to be said. He said, Father, should we not build here three temples for you all? <laughs> Jesus said, basically, He said, just just be still and listen. You see, we we're all like that. I know it's just like this. We got that gun safety thing and Josh and uh, Richard. How'd that go yesterday, Richard? Good. I'm glad because I knew you know Richard can't ever be quiet about something. He's always got a comment. I was worried it was going to go bad. So it went good. Got shot. Okay, <laughs> But uh, sometimes we just feel like, well, I need to, sometimes we just need, as God's Word says, be still, be still, and know that I am God. Sometimes that's the hardest thing in the world, is it? Particularly in prayer. Uh, Lord, I need this, Lord, I need that. He knows your need even before we speak it. Be still and know that He is God. We would look at the life of Simon Peter as God's Word says in James as though we're looking in the mirror and we can see our own reflection. It's absolutely incredible. In the year about AD 60 a wicked, evil Roman emperor Nero he liked to build and he didn't like the way Rome looked so he wanted, to, he wanted to build rebuild everything about Rome. So what did he do? He set Rome on fire. In fact, he had people that as soon as one part of Rome, they got the fire out, he sent sent some of his people to go out and start fires in other places. He wanted Rome to burn down so that he could rebuild it. it very wicked and evil, man. He hated Christians. He would take Christians literally and, and wrap them in pitch and tire and, and have them impaled on sticks to, to ignite it. To light his garden parties. He put sticks in front of their chin because he didn't he wanted people to see the agony in their face as they burned. He he tracked that he did some of the most horrendous, horrific things you can imagine to Christians. And he blamed Christians for the fire because so many people were blaming Nero. Oh no, no, what I means those Christians. And so then, not only in Rome, but all over the Roman Empire, they were blaming Christians, they were attacking Christians. And Peter would write, he was, here we get a chance, if I can pronounce it correctly, Mammalim, believe it is Mammalim, Mammalim, yeah, was a jail, a prison, that was known throughout history as the worst prison known to man. It was actually like two holes in the ground. And the people, they would never clean it out, nothing. Paul was lowered into this prison cell. And we know this from history when Constantine Around he had determined and helped to establish the church. Over, in fact, in 1968, the Pope said, "We are confident we have uh, the bones of Simon Peter," and so they they know where he had been. For nine months, he was in that hellhole, literally. And when I read that, in fact, I'll be honest with you, I was up about three this morning. A lot of stuff going on in my mind, and I I couldn't help but think. Here is Simon Peter, who suffered, who followed Jesus, who did all that. You can't ever wonder why did God allow that man to suffer that long on the, under the most horrific situation. And I remember the book by C.S. Lewis, *The Problem of Pain*. If you ever get a chance, go read that. And, and as, there was a Jewish rabbi who wrote a book. Why does bad things happen to good people? It's, even though he's Jewish, it just got some good points in it. But God had a reason, nothing else, for the fact that all through church history, it could be said, here is a man who loved God so much that he would not renounce Jesus. And on the day he was to be crucified, Simon Peter's wife was let out first. And it said, for the first time, Simon Peter smiled. And he said, praise God, you're going home. Tell her that. He said, stay true and think about our Lord and Savior. And they got ready to take him out he said i have but one request i'm not worthy to be crucified like my lord and savior jesus christ i want to be crucified upside down at the same time paul was arrested in rome they beheaded paul and they met the request because they thought it was funny to grant simon peter his request and they crucified him upside down when his bones were first taken they were taken off from an area called the epian Way that they were actually hidden. It, it was, the story, if you ever get a chance, uh, there's a book by Stuart McMurray called In Search of the Twelve, if you want to follow this. It's an excellent book. And uh, they kept his bones as such hid, you know, the place where they were at. And like I said, when Constantine came along, his mother built, Constantine's mother built a church over the uh, in Bethlehem, the birthplace of Jesus. So they knew the historicity of that and the, the actual facts of it. And same way with the bones of Peter. You know, here, when you read the life, there are those who try to say, you know, we got First and Second Peter in the epistle. Oh, he didn't write that. But you can see that those who are scholars in the area of, of autographs, when I'm talking about original writings, they can see there is so much the way Simon Peter thought and wrote that they, they know that these these this indeed they can, uh, is valid. That 1 Peter, 2 Peter is written by by Peter himself. Actually, a a secretary who followed him. Just like the Gospel of Mark tells about Simon Peter's eyewitness of everything that's going on. I'm amazed at this man that so much I can see in myself. I love the Lord with all my heart, soul, mind, and being and willing to die for Him. He'd in another breath I could screw up so bad and bring reproach upon the body of Christ and that scares me to death. But yet, through all this, Jesus never left him. Jesus never forgot him. And he is known as the first pastor of the church of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Let's stand, if you would, please. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come into your holy presence. Thank you for this day. Thank you for this time together. Thank you for being our Lord, our God, our Savior. Thank you for calling us and saving us. But Father, I pray if anyone here this morning does not know you as the Lord and Savior of their life, that they will pray this prayer I'm about to pray. Dear Jesus, forgive me of all my sins. Come into my heart and save me. I receive you as my Lord, my God, and my personal Savior. Holy Spirit, please fill me to overflowing. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer this morning, Gene playing this invitation. Please come to the front of the church. Jesus said, if you'll confess me before men, I will confess you before my Father in heaven. But if you deny me before men, I will deny you before my Father in heaven. that thy blood was shed for me. I know our numbers are way down, and Matt tells me, I don't know how this, I'm computer challenged. And he always tells me, he said, uh, Vic, we, we had 400 or 500 who were watching from home this morning. So if you're watching from home, we understand. Different people ask me, said, have you seen so-and-so? Like I called Gerald uh, this past week. And he said, Vic, I had not forgotten you, but he said, I'm just really, Concerned about the virus, as soon as things settle down, I'll be back. I said, "Understand, brother, you go the way you're led." So we have a lot of people's not here, and we encourage you to to be careful, uh, do as the Lord leads you. But we're so grateful that you all are here. Six o'clock today, service will be outside. Dr. Matt Young will be bringing the message, and uh, hopefully, we'll see you there. Father, in the name of Jesus, again. Do we come before your presence? Thank you for this day. Thank you for all your blessings. We pray, Father God, that you would keep us and are going out and coming in and bring us back safely at the point of time. For these things we ask and pray in Jesus' name. And all of God's children said, Amen. Amen. God bless you.